Blog Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome to RSI Help Radio. I'm Deborah Quilter, and RSI Help Radio is dedicated to bringing you the latest news and information about repetitive strain injury. What would you do if you couldn't use your hands normally? What if the things like pressing an elevator button or using a touch screen at an ATM was painful to you? And what if the pain didn't go away even after months or years of physical therapy? And what if your doctors didn't believe you when you complained of these symptoms or worse, misdiagnosed you, maybe sent you for a surgery that you didn't really need? All of these things have happened to people with repetitive strain injury. In previous segments, we have talked with doctors who diagnose and treat RSI and professionals who help people with RSI cope. But until this point, we haven't interviewed many people with RSI. So to help us understand what it's like to live with RSI on a daily basis, we have invited Laura Miner, who has had repetitive strain injury since 1991. Laura is former Vice President of Corporate Communications of Morgan Guarantee Trust Company. She's now part-time adjunct professor in the art business, as she says, at New York University. Laura has been active in the New York City RSI community for many years, at one point hosting a support group for people with RSI. So I want to give a big warm welcome. Hello, Laura. And hello, welcome Deborah. to the show. <laughs> Thank you for inviting me. I think this is wonderful. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for coming. Yeah. So I have a lot of questions for you. Mm-hmm. Um before we begin talking about, um, you know, the general stuff, can you tell us um, what happened when you first experienced it yourself? I was um, heading a small department. I had other people who did the bulk of the computer work for me. But they added over a period of three weeks new equipment. We had the mouse. I had a different office set up where I couldn't support my arm. I had to reach very far straight out for it. It was a very uh, badly designed mouse that they don't make anymore. Mm-hmm. And um, for about a week, I just felt a kind of tiredness in my wrist. Sort mm-hmm. of like if you go out dancing or sightseeing and you think, oh, I just want to go kick my shoes off and put my feet up. Not like, ooh, I have to go to the doctor. Mm-hmm. And then I had to produce a report one night and all of a sudden, there was like this cold sensation, almost as if a, a, a frozen silver dollar had materialized in my wrist. Mm-hmm. And I knew that cold is a very is wrong, because we had a friend who had described when she had a heart attack, the first sy- symptom was a sensation of cold on the side of her neck. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was Friday night. Monday, I went to the medical department where I work, which is supposedly very good. And uh, my colleagues were saying, oh, I hope you don't have carpal tunnel syndrome. I said, oh, I've never heard of it. And they said, oh, we have friends who are journalists who are, get it, you know. I thought, well, I'm not a journalist on deadline. Also, computer programmers are always on it. Like, I don't use it that much. And I went to the medical department, and uh, they said, it's tendonitis, wear an ACE bandage, take uh, Tylenol, and go back to work. And uh, so I did. And at the time, I didn't do much else than uh, um, work. And I had a housekeeper, so I didn't have to do housework. And 
um, the pain didn't go away. And uh, so I went back two more times, and uh, they sent me to one doctor and another. Always the same thing. Wear, wear a different kind of ace bandage and take mm-hmm. painkillers and go back to work. And one of them actually demonstrated to me how women usually would get tendonitis from cutting through heavy fabric or doing gardening or something. Mm-hmm. But nobody ever told me, stop what you're doing. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, my staff did make me an armrest for my um, mouse arm out of a... a Tote bag, you know, and a, and a dictionary to lean on, and I tried switching and to the other hand. Of course, we know that those things are not good. <laughs> they were trying to help you in a way that wasn't that was actually making things worse. Well, uh, Just yes, in case yes. anyone's thinking of doing that, um, yeah, don't. Yeah. yeah. Well, the ergonomic setup, unless you are taking breaks. You're just continuing to injure yourself. So I decided I'm going to use the left hand to give the right one a rest, and I started getting symptoms on the left side. Mm-hmm. And uh, Very so, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was um, the funny thing is I had a, my late cousin, who was a neurologist, took me out mm-hmm. to dinner, and I was rubbing my arm because it was cold, and she mm-hmm. says, what are you doing? And I said, well, I have... Uh, tendonitis and then she's the first one who asked me to do that test where you hold the backs of your hands together oh yeah, yeah. If you have ten- they never did that at the medical department they told That's me I didn't have carpal, carpal tunnel, tunnel. Yeah. yeah well they never asked me to do that at work uh, well and they- I didn't even know about it and she starts banging on me with a spoon and she says I think you have carpal tunnel and so she managed my case from there sent me mm-hmm. to various doctors and and um and what was happening to me was usually you get more pain. Mm-hmm. And like people say, well, I'm going to keep working until it hurts too much, and then I'll stop, and then I'll go to the doctor. But in my yeah. case, I was losing sensation, mm-hmm. and I didn't know it. So I think, for example, I had a new camera, and I remember thinking, gee, it's harder to push the button to take pictures mm-hmm. on this one. It was the finger that was uh, going. Um, and so I went to a... She sent me to one neurologist, and he said, don't do anything that hurts. Uh-huh. Good advice. <laughs> yeah, only the, in all honesty, I had to observe everything hurts. Uh-huh, yeah. And yeah. It, it took a while to sort of isolate the problem and exactly what was going on. Um, I, I guess I'm a very determined person, and I'm very lucky. Um, living in New York and making good contacts with people to get really good help, yeah. and I spend a lot of my own money on things like Alexander Technique, mm-hmm. which I found very helpful for being able to sense how the body works in ways that you don't normally have a feeling about, mm-hmm. um, and doing lots of physical therapy, and then um, I think the turning point for me, I have a few turning points. Finding your book, meeting oh. you, going to the support group. Um, there, There's nothing like a support group. The first mm-hmm. time I'm sitting in a group of patients with similar diagnoses, and one of them says, I dial with my left hand, I get wrong numbers. I thought, mm-hmm. oh, my God, that's it. That's, you know. And uh, like sometimes I think I'm pushing a button, but the hand's not strong enough, and I'm mm-hmm. getting I'm not getting the number. And another one says I'm always dropping my keys. Mm-hmm. I don't have a piece of china in the house that isn't chipped. Mm-hmm. 
I live on peanut butter sandwiches and paper plates and um really nobody I think this is true in all populations, professional associations, all populations. Nobody understands what you're going through like people mm-hmm. in the same situation. As this much so as everybody true. wants to help. Yes, yes. Yeah. And also and I just uh, I feel the impulse that that's the first thing I did when I was diagnosed and started physical therapy. I thought I can't sit around feeling sorry for myself. I have to be around people in even worse shape. And so I volunteered at Christmas time at the hospital. I couldn't do much with my hands, but um they asked me to greet the um Christmas carolers and take them oh. around to the different wards. Mm-hmm. And so I felt, you know, I'm seeing people who are really severely ill and you know, it's a kind of you have to do something, you have to be brave. Yeah. I think it's also really important. I'm glad you brought that up, Laura, because yeah. uh, giving back in any way is so empowering. And, you know, we all have one thing or another that could be difficult, as they say in the disability community. Yeah. Um, than people who aren't disabled, it's just yet. So, um, but keeping working and keeping the idea of giving instead of sitting home is a wonderful way of actually helping yourself heal, I think. You know, it's very empowering to be um, contributing to society in some way. And I think that's a really good adaptation that it's good for people to think about. Well, and and I... also just to other people one-on-one, you know, mm-hmm. look people in the eye, you know. And yeah. Just being yeah, and together. Comforting, you know, sharing your knowledge with people who might be new to this, I yes. think is really helpful too. Although it's um, very hard to tell people. Yeah. I remember one woman came to the support group and she was newly diagnosed and mm-hmm. she thought she could just carry, you know, just carry on with what she's doing. And like you don't want to scare people. Like mm-hmm. take this seriously, you're going to be fried for life if you don't. And just yeah. somebody just blurted out, "If you don't take care of this now, you're not going to be able to wipe yourself on the toilet without difficulty, mm-hmm. you know. You really have to pay attention." Um I I think the other, yeah. It is really important because a lot of people think that they're going to be the exception and that they can keep working and they can keep going. And it's the other people who are going to get um, continuous relapses and more injury. And I think a lot of people have to learn the hard way that they need to take action consistently and they can't afford to be careless. Yeah. Um, about overusing their hands or doing too much. Yeah. Well, I've had a few people tell me that I'm like the poster child warning to them. One musician told me that she went to get physical therapy when she started to feel tightness in her mm-hmm. forearms because I was talking about that as a first symptom and mm-hmm. and because uh, she didn't want to wind up like me. And so a few people said that, oh, after seeing what you go through, I decided I really have to... Uh, take this more seriously, although I was severely injured. Yeah. Um, other people have, every, every it's funny, every person's diagnosis is a little different. Yes. Yeah. That's very true. Everybody yeah. has to, and everyone's coping mechanisms, and I think the things that help people also varies. There are certain things that are sort of universal, but 
people yeah. find their own healing team, their own ways of soothing themselves, and um, each person comes up with their own plan. But yeah. one of the things I think you might have experienced uh, when you were initially diagnosed, and perhaps even now, is that mm-hmm. sometimes people don't believe you. Um, they don't understand that anything could go seriously wrong with your hands or just how debilitating RSI can be. Um, oh, yeah, you that, have that carpal tunnel thing, don't you just get, isn't there a surgery for it? You just get surgery and then you're okay? Um, the only people I've known who had that experience were people who had hereditary uh, carpal tunnel. I have a friend in her family, every woman, she gets to a certain age and she gets numbness in the hands. They do the carpal tunnel release and mm-hmm. then they're okay. Um, mm-hmm. Anybody who gets it from overuse, it's more complicated. It's yeah. more complicated. I um, Well, also you want to minimize. You don't want... Um, to be unpleasant to people and also the people who love you the most say it's how painful it is to see you having problems. It's like people want to blank it out. Um, I have one friend whose husband has a really bad back and she, whenever we go out together she automatically opens doors for me because she understands. Or people with young children. I was at a luncheon and the colleague sitting next to me just started to cut my food for me because she's always having trouble. She apologized, but she has young children, so she um, understands. Um, I find that it's good to have visual signals to people. So um, I wear, um, I like to wear a stockinette. This is the liner for casts. Mm-hmm. Um, where you cut out a piece for the thumb and cover the forearm. I do that because it gives me a little warmth so that the breeze doesn't set off the nerve and all. And it's a visual signal to people, like, don't just grab my hand to shake it. Um, oh, handshakes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah. They are so difficult. Yeah. Well, when oh. I, I I sort of do that bow thing, you know, put your hands together and bow to people. And yes. I've also... Um, because my right side is more affected than the left, when people reach out to shake my hand, I give them my left hand sort of little fingers, you know, hand it out. Although I, in the back of my mind I'm thinking of uh, the Marx Brothers, and, mm-hmm. you know, people want to shake his hand and he gives them his leg, you know. Instead of, <laughs> well, now there's an idea. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But, I'm you not, know, the, then the, I'm too the, short to do the that. high-fiving yeah. started coming. and that Oh, no, no, like, no, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I, I mean, this bump is like, good. This bump is this bump, I don't know. It's a neutral, neutral position. Well, and if you start out but slow, well, it yes, yes. Still... But you start out slow and just touch. Yeah, I think. Or sometimes I'll just. I remember saying to people, "Squeeze my elbow instead." <laughs> I have an injured mm-hmm. hand. Just squeeze my elbow. Um, yeah. Um, you just have to be alert uh, about things like that. Um, uh, a lot of people get. Opposition, especially if you're injured at work, there mm. is there has just been long, like demonization of working people. Like it's Joe Sixpack who hurt his back on the golf course and he just wants to drink and he's pretending he doesn't want to work and he pretends he's faking it and all. And um, it, like with an injury like this, I mean, I think throughout the past twenty years. Every expert I've asked, from the insurance uh, people from New York State to doctors, mm-hmm. the percentage of people who are actually trying to fake it, 
tiny, one or two percent, if that much. And, well, um, someone else made the point of, um, mm-hmm. I mean, I think that people who get disability might get maybe a thousand dollars a month or something. So it really begs the question of why would someone want to live on that little money? I mean, it's just oh yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, it's not even poverty wages. So uh, there's really not a lot to be gained. It's not like you're getting a hundred thousand dollars a year. But um, people don't people don't thinking rationally is probably the most fragile part of the human brain. Um, it's the <laughs> emotional and visceral side in the stories. You know, once the narrative is out there, the facts don't make a dent in it. You know, it's hard to get people to uh, for the sort of light bulb to go on, um, and often. It's not until people are injured themselves mm-hmm. that they really understand. Even the most sympathetic mm-hmm. advocates mm-hmm. for the injured and the and the doctors uh, also. Yeah. Um, but you know, one as it's the positive side of human nature is you want to put a positive spin on things like I'll be okay, this is good. Then you wind up trying to do too much for yourself and not. Figuring out. I want to go back to something we were talking about. What's universal for all patients? Mm-hmm. And I think one of the most helpful things that uh, we started talking about in the support group was working out a daily hand budget. Mm-hmm. The hand bank. That's right. Mm-hmm. And um, it took me nine months of working with um, Lisa Sattler, physical therapist, mm-hmm. to work out a hand budget for me so that I could actually sense before I'm going to get pain from doing too much. So I mm-hmm. could stop in time and how long to recuperate and take a break in between. And that was a huge turning point because I thought, now I can survive. Otherwise, it was this constant onslaught of, ouch, what did I do? And, uh, you know, sudden... Uh, big, uh, like blinding pain where you have to clear the decks for the rest of the day. And the hand budget is a very good way of not getting injured a second time because the second injury is usually worse than the Mm -hmm. first. And my doctor warned me, it's okay to, like if I want to read the Sunday New York Times by hand or do some activity like that for one day, two days, even, but... Like, he wouldn't let me take on all kinds of juicy job offers because he said within two weeks I'd be in such trouble they would not be able to help me again. So mm-hmm. with a hand budget, you you prioritize. What are the most important things? Like, you don't want to know me until I've had my morning coffee or tea. So mm-hmm. no matter what, that's on the hand budget. Um, other things can wait. And so you prioritize. And then you figure out, in that rest time, instead of being bored and and restless, figure out what you can do without irritating the affected parts. Mm -hmm. And so I have fallen in love with WNYC radio, WBAI radio, and Mm -hmm. podcasts and audio books. You know, you can stretch, you can lie down, you're Mm -hmm. occupying your mind, you're staying informed. Um, 
and also not to isolate. There's a great tendency when you're overwhelmed like this to just shut down. And mm-hmm. um, it's it's good to uh, be somehow feel somehow involved, even even so without doing normal. Yeah. Uh, in order to stay involved, Laura, what kinds of things do you do? Um, I <laughs> I go to a certain place in the local park where I know friends are going to be after work, and we sit around and gossip and laugh and tell jokes. Mm-hmm. I um participate in the RSI support group. I've made very, very dear friends there. And so we check in with each other. Um, I happen to live in a house where a number of us have lived here for decades. We know each other very well. And so even if the weather is too bad to go outside, put on the coat, the galoshes, the umbrella. Like if I'm feeling bored and restless, it's like uh, uh, let's have a cup of tea and sit and talk. That We can do that. I also volunteer when I can with NICOSH, New York Committee on Occupational Safety and Health. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, show up at their seminars and events and um, tell other people about it. Um, advocate for patients when we can. I remember once we went up to Albany to meet legislators. Um, That's really terrific because then you're taking that energy and putting it to good use on the behalf of uh, other people. And I think that's one way that the RSI community could really help itself is doing more of that kind of thing, of bringing awareness uh, to the issue and also advocating for help. um, Yeah, at one point I tried to do 10 minutes a day of advocacy. Uh-huh. And, and it's very good for channeling your anger. Just when you're sitting there so frustrated, I can't do anything like what I used to do. And uh, I, I'm so angry. Oh, I think I'm going to call the governor and advocate on behalf of uh, farm workers who don't get a, they don't even get a day off. They're accepted. Ex- they're an exception to the rule about getting a day off from work or, you know, um, paid sick time and uh, paid leave for new parents and um, some kind of advocacy, or you know, you're watching TV and you think, oh, they didn't report that fairly. They left out something, or you know, mm-hmm. call them up, tell them, you know, um, and and also just um, doing the little things that you can do to help other people. Um, go to their doctor's appointments with them, or um, I yeah, think that's a really they, great. Yeah. Yeah. Great thing to yeah. do. Uh, and also, I, I recommend um, uh, some of my friends in the RSI community do little bits of tutoring where they, like, go to the local public library and have appointments with people learning English, and they oh. just sit and do conversation and help them with vocabulary and pronunciation or with children who are, have trouble with reading and, you know, to be a friendly person for them to read to. Um, How terrific is that? I would, you know, that's the kind of thing I would love to do, but in winter, 50% of my daily hand budget is getting dressed to go out. Mm-hmm. You know, the boots, the scarf, the so doing things from home, because I use dictation software on the computer mm-hmm. or on the iPad mini, just like one finger. Um, 
you, you just have to keep noodling around and just trial and error. Um, mm-hmm. Also, because I'm uh, the the one work that they did let me do was when I was invited by NYU. They asked me to invent two new courses, and it, there was like a a year delay, so I had a long time in advance to prepare, and they've been very good about um, uh, helping me if the things I can't do by hand. I have someone in the office who does it. And mm-hmm. so I think it's very important to have something to think about. Mm-hmm. So I notice it's like you're sitting on the bus and it's stuck in traffic, and like if you could sort of think about, well, gee, next time I teach this particular unit in class, what if I did it this way? What if we had this exercise in class? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and plus it gives me, yeah, it's nice to be able to say something also, because when you're taken off work and you can't work, or you lose your job because you can't work, you have to give up your, if you're self-employed, you have to give up something. It's like, I remember people asking me, like, what do you do? And I'm thinking in my mind, I'm dead meat, you know? I just go to doctor's oh. appointments and stretch and stare out the window. But uh, at one point I learned the thing to say is um, I do a little consulting work. Oh, yes. <laughs> like we've answered that question. We don't have to go into it. Even if even the consulting work is sitting on a park bench spouting your opinion, you know. Um, well, but it's. I think we mustn't under undervalue this ability to be connecting with other human beings, you know, if they need a, a kind ear or a word of encouragement. I mean, that's invaluable. Yeah. That's invaluable. And I don't know, I think um, personally, I think that RSI really gives people a chance to discover, rediscover these gifts of life that we may not see when we're so busy. Um, oh, well, yes, yeah, oh, yeah, because you have value. to, you, exactly, instead of um, working and, and seeing the world through your work lens, you, you really have to start looking far and wide for what what can I do in this world that's unique, mm-hmm. what is really uh, good for me to do. Although I am sorry I missed the dot-com Boom. You know, could have been a dot-com millionaire, but uh, <laughs> I, had to sit, I had to sit it out, yeah. Um, I, I, there are a few things I want to emphasize also. I'm not sure how we're doing on time. Um, Three minutes. Oh, the other thing which is universal is mm-hmm. for everybody, you may be more distracted by pain and dysfunction and having to rearrange how you do things it, it, there's not enough room in the brain to get in there and and uh, remember things the way you used to. And they tell me that uh, one one person said that the only people who show up at the wrong day or time for their appointments were the chronic pain patients. Um, and so it's very good, like, to keep a calendar and reminder of things. Like I have little electronic reminders so I don't miss my favorite TV show or leaving time to go to regular meetings and also double check everything and then mm-hmm. I write a little note and then I tape it to the bathroom mirror like if I have a list of things to do because you will forget things that you you'll be horrified 
at how, you know, it's like when you start to get older and you forget people's names. Mm-hmm. People who've got to pain and and also strong emotions, like people who are grief-stricken. Um, I remember the night my mother died. I was putting dimes in the phone to make phone calls and wondering why I'm getting a recording. It's like the brain just, you know, goes into tilt mode. So don't be shocked by it. Take control. <laughs> and uh, also to be careful not to binge on activities. When you do feel well, like you've had a good rest over the weekend, and Monday you think, gee, I feel good. I'm going to vacuum mm-hmm. the house. Like we we have like ergo buddies in our support group where we talk each other. Like I feel like I'm, I want to do all the laundry today. I said, no, no, no. First sort a little bit and then lie down, listen to some music, and then go and do it, like break it up into little pieces. Yeah, pace yourself. But you really severely have to learn to, you know, you have to practice a lot. Also, save all your documentation. Yes. Every medical, every single thing, everything from workers' comp, you're going to have to be your own best advocate. And in fact, that was the first advice when I asked uh, one of the more experienced patients, what's the first thing you would tell new patients? Save all your documentation. And I also can't thank you enough, not only for all that you've done, but one of the huge turning points was when you played a video where you had attached something to your forearms that would, like, make a noise uh, when you would use your fingers and you show how typing exercises the, you know, the back of your forearms. Oh, the pocket EMG. (laughs) And that was the first time, like, I had no idea. Yeah, yeah. I had no idea. And I always think of that, like, if I'm about to do something with my fingers, Mm -hmm. I think. We're out of time, Laura. I want to thank you so much for sharing all of your thoughts with us today. Thank you so much for coming on to the show. And thank you for all you do. Oh, you're welcome. It's a pleasure. Um, So thank all of you for listening. And remember to follow the show so that you'll be notified of new episodes. You just click on the follow link. It's a red button on the website. You can also email me if you have any questions or suggestions for future episodes. So until next time, this is Deborah Quilter signing off from RSI Help Radio in New York City. Bye for now.